some beef with someone I don't wanna know Unless they happen to be at this show I don't know who fucked up or who stole all your shit But if they're next to you right now Just run up and hit them And uh, here we go. Uh, hey folks, welcome to the Garrett Schalke podcast. I am your host, ya boy, Garrett Schalke. And uh, we have a very special uh, episode today for uh, well, two reasons. One, it's uh, another banger taking place right here in Grand Rapids. So there's that. And uh, another reason why it's particularly special is because... Uh, I went to the dentist earlier today and uh, got some work done, and my uh, <laughs> the bottom right portion of my lip is still very numb. So, uh, talking that way, I'm hoping everyone can understand me. In particular, I hope our guest understands me. Uh, you can't understand me, right, Joe? I can understand you just fine, yeah. Okay, good. Uh, this is actually our first time speaking, so... Uh, if I never said anything, you would just assume this is how I speak normally. I suppose I would have, yeah. Which, uh, yeah, for the most part, this is indeed how I speak, but, uh, yeah, a little bit numb here, so maybe I'll gargle a little bit. I don't know. Alright, uh, our guest today is a fellow writer, podcaster, and musician, straight from, uh, Grand Rapids, as I've just mentioned. He is the host of Writing the Rapids, a writer-curated discussion podcast and audio literary magazine. He is the author of a novel, Tired, which just came out last year. And uh, he even has a band camp featuring noise and field recordings, which we're all going to talk about. Uh, folks, that's, uh, whoa, what's that? <laughs> Okay. I mean, before we came on the podcast, you mentioned that you started playing uh, Dark Souls. Mm-hmm. So I was like, so uh, for a sec there, I thought, wow, uh, is he gaming while he's podcasting? You know, I considered it, and then I decided that that wouldn't be very professional of me to do. <laughs> True, but it would be a very Chad move of you. <laughs> if I were better at video games, I, I maybe would be bold enough to do it, but... Okay, uh, folks, let's uh, welcome uh, Joe Balaki, a.k.a. Noisemaker Joe, to the podcast. Joe, how's it going? It's going pretty good. I'm, I'm curious, uh, did you find my Joe Balaki band camp, or are you referring to a different one? I have several several projects on band camp that I've promoted oh, really? over the years, so I'm curious what you found. Nope, uh, it's the one that's on your website. It has uh, three recordings that you have labeled as drone, noise, field recordings. Okay. Let me go to my website. 
site and remember what I had linked up there. <laughs> it's an out of it's an out of date. Um, well, I don't know how out of date it uh, is. It's a, it's a very sparsely kept up website. Uh, happens to the best of us. Yeah, JoeBalecki.bandcamp.com. Yeah, those are some old ones. Those are good. Well, those that are up, I, I really enjoy. All right. Well, we'll get to that soon enough. Uh, yeah, Joe. Uh, how's it been going, dude? It's been going good. Uh, I took I took June off because we had our first kid, so there hasn't been riding the rapids for a while, which has been simultaneously nice and also kind of you know I'm itching to get back into it. I'm working on getting a rejoinder going on with. Um, hopefully, I can get. David Leo Rice and uh, Chris Kelso to talk about their uh, new anthology uh, in a couple weeks, and I got a couple. I got a full length that I got to get back to that person about get, getting into the the doing sending of the emails is like the hardest part. So I've been trying to convince myself to to keep on working uh, and not just stare at, a, at an infant all day. Um, between all this, you still find the time to play Dark Souls. Yep. The, the most irresponsible thing I can do with my time, I've figured <laughs> out uh, how to make time for that. Alright, uh, slight, slight uh, correction to the intro. Uh, my guest today is a writer, podcaster, musician, and a new dad guy. I forgot mm-hmm. I forgot to put that one in there. Alright, uh... Yeah, Yeah, I gotta get I gotta get those facts right on this podcast. All right, Joe. Uh, I'll uh, actually tell you how I first learned of you and got into writing the rapids in a bit. But uh, let's go into some uh, background stuff. Uh, your origin, you could say. Uh, are you a GR resident? Yeah, I am. I was, I was born in Kentwood. Went to East Kentwood High School. Went to Grand Valley University and uh, now live uh, outside of downtown. In yeah. Oh. Uh, that's specific as, as I can be about where I live safely. <laughs> safely. All right. Uh, I have no qualms with telling people that I live in Heritage Hill. You know, come yeah. at come at me, you cowards! But yeah, yeah, I totally understand why you would uh, prefer being more, a little bit more private. All right, Joe. Uh, so we got that part out of the way. Um, mm-hmm. All right. Uh, what got you into the arts? Do you uh, remember your first experience being intentionally creative? Yeah. Um, I, I think the, the biggest kind of first thing I did was in maybe the fifth grade. I started writing a, uh, I, I guess, this, it was intended to be like a grand fantasy epic that I worked on from like fifth grade through sixth grade and like made maps for and, and detailed character sheets and stuff like that. Um, when I was a little bit younger, my dad read as like bedtime stories to me and my brother, uh, the books of David Eddings, the Bell Garricad series. So I was very into fantasy and, and stuff like that. Throughout middle school, I worked on a different story you know, different grand novel sort of thing um, that fell by the wayside and, um, after after middle school. And then in 
high school, I was mainly working on music. I was in a metal band junior and senior year, um, and then kind of got back into writing midway through college. Um, got my first flash piece published in 2016, mm-hmm. and um, my novel last year, like you said, um, and then in between, worked on a, a bunch of different little things here and there. Like you said, there's there's music on Bang Camp. There's false start novels all over the place. Um, Writing the Rapids isn't my first podcast. So basically, once I was old enough to have agency about how I wanted to spend my free time, I was I've been making some sort of art. Uh, is this uh, your full-time job, or or do you have a uh, day job to supplement your income? Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's not. Um, I work for a local radio station, two, two local radio stations, a, a public one and a private one, um, commercial and non-commercial. Um, and I do some freelance writing on the side, so... Um, you know, the, the Patreon money is nice, but it's, it's nowhere near enough to, to, uh, sustain me, anything like that. But that is, that's kind of the goal, right? The goal is to have enough people excited enough about my work to be able to only do the, the work. Oh yeah, it's the goal of, uh, all of us indie artists, if you really think about it. Yeah, I think whether we like to admit it or not, I think there's a couple of us that, I mean, I've, I've talked to a couple of people who are like, no, nah, I don't think I would take the opportunity if, if I could, but I, 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 uh, I challenge any of any of you to get that opportunity and, and be like, nah. Uh, yeah, I would challenge that opportunity since uh, my day job is at a warehouse and uh, been there for over nine and a half years. So, uh, yeah, if I had that one shot, I would not let it blow. But yeah, yeah still working towards it. All right, uh, all right, Joe. Uh, as I mentioned, you are a writer, podcaster, musician, new dad guy. Uh, is there any uh, type of artistic identity that you uh, that you that you identify yourself with more, or is there like a hierarchy like? Writer first, podcaster second. Yeah, you know, I, I feel like I, I feel like how I would like to be viewed versus probably how I am viewed are, are opposite. Like I, I feel like I want to be a writer first who has a podcast, but I'm just kind of judging by people coming at me with you know reaction to any of the work I do I, I feel like I'm 100% seen as podcaster first writer second which is fine uh, you know I put out a lot more podcast media than I do um, writing right I haven't published a story in a long time I've, I've posted some stuff for free to my Patreon here and there but for the most part if somebody's hearing about work that I'm doing they're hearing about my, my podcasting which is fine Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Not the, not the original intent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how many episodes of Running the Rapids are currently out? That's a good question. That's a good I, question. I think I think it's like in the thirties. I feel 
like it's jeez it's hard to say um I thought it would be oh 59 episodes oh shit what I have so I'm I'm not that far behind yeah I've been doing it since 2018 and there definitely have been like a month here or there or near the beginning there was like a six month period where I just kind of stopped and, and then picked it back up again. Uh, dude, imagine if you put out 59 novels. Right? Like, <laughs> the, the, it certainly takes a lot more effort to, to pump out 50 to 80, 100,000 words than it does to just talk to somebody for an hour about something they're passionate about talking about. Oh, yeah, and, uh, yeah, I'd say it's a lot more fun, obviously, because it's a much more social activity. You know, as opposed to just sitting there and writing stuff that you hope to God is good. Mm-hmm. Whereas on here, uh, well, I guess it depends on the podcast, but uh, yeah, you can just talk shit and up, right. up, upload it and, well, get money however you can through ads or Patreon. Yeah, you know, it's, it's two very different skills. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, uh, with that said, uh, let's get into the very meat of the podcast. Uh, let's get, yeah, let's get into the po- into your podcast, Writing the Rapids. Uh, as you actually, uh, mentioned earlier, you have previous podcasts to this, called, uh, Sharing Everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's something I did with my wife, um, where we... I think it was weekly for however long we did it, um, where we would alternate weeks, and I'd show her a movie I liked that she'd never seen before, and then she would pick a movie that she liked that I'd never seen before, and we would watch it together, and we'd talk about it. Um, and that there, there are podcasts older than that that are lost to time, but sharing everything was a fun concept, and we just sort of uh, fizzled out of doing that. I think once I started doing this show, I kind of ran out of, um, you know, the energy to do two shows like that, that, that took so much, uh, uh, preparation. Well, uh, the last, last episode was March 2018, and my first writing the Rapids was February. Well, uh, the name of it was Sharing Everything, uh, did you run out of things to share? No, I think we could have kept going, I, I do think at some point we would have gotten to a point where we would have had to sort of change the format um especially now back back then um our work schedules were were much uh different i i had like i had two jobs that had hours that uh changed weekly right so there would be time there was there was a lot more time when we were not together than there is now uh, with the job that I my primary job that I currently have. So it's a lot more difficult now for us to watch movies on our own. Uh, so it, I, I think it would just end 
into a, a, a general we're going to sit down and watch this movie because it looks interesting sort of thing. Just a general movie review podcast. Right. Which we don't need more of. There's plenty. Uh, if you really think about it, there's plenty of every type of podcast out there. I actually... Uh, yeah. I, 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 actually I, I, kind of, I actually kind of had that issue when... Uh, I first started this podcast because I was like, oh, geez, is there really need of another podcast with, like, two people just talking shit about shit to each other, just interviewing one another? I mean, Joe Rogan kind of already has that uh, market on tap, but I braved through that, and years later, I'm now past episode 50, so go, yeah. go me. think about that about myself too every day whether it's my personality my accent or my wonderful sense of humor which uh i've gotten many a comment about some negative some good some not so good okay uh before writing the rapids though uh what got you into podcasting in general I'm trying to whistle, but again, uh, very nice. Okay. And how about writing the rapids? How did, uh, this podcast come about? Yeah. The, uh, the idea came, I think I was inspired after watching the Jackson Pollock biopic movie with, um, Ed Harris. 
Uh, I've just seen. Uh, never heard of that one. Beginning. Oh, it's it's pretty decent. Um, yeah, I don't have a ton of a ton really to say about it aside from the, there's a scene at the beginning where Jackson Pollock and and a bunch of other painters are like sitting in a bar and they're like yelling at each other about Picasso, and I was just sort of you know it's 2018, so I'm I've had work published for like two years. I'm you know publishing work in literary magazines. It's hard to get a whole bunch of people to pay attention to you. But um, I found myself wanting that energy, that energy of writers sitting down and being really passionate about writing. Um, Whereas a lot of the writing podcasts that I had come across up until that point had largely been um, for people who wanted to write, right? So this sort of like, how do you write a cover letter? Let's talk to, to an agent about it, you know, and then mm-hmm. there'll be an interview with an agent or, you know, the sort of, um, ah, man, you know, it's so hard to sit down for an hour every day to write, but we got to do it sort of stuff. And I just found that, like, if I didn't enjoy the personality of the person who was doing that sort of show, I just didn't care because it was like, well, I could spend an hour listening every week to these people talk about how how to get, how to trick yourself into writing every day or I could just write um, and interview shows have always been interesting to me but I find that with writing it's kind of hard to li- want to listen for me at least to an interview with a writer who I don't know and haven't read so it was trying to solve this problem of like, how do I do a podcast about writing with writers um, that someone who hasn't read that writer would feel interested in listening to? So the initial pitch was like, we're going to talk about writing with a capital A, or talk about writing as if it were an art with a capital A. Um, if you're wondering what that means, it doesn't really mean anything. It was just like, let's just talk about like the craft of writing. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if I really have, like, gotten there a lot, a lot of the time. I, I feel like it's hard to do that because I don't exactly even really know what that means. Um, and and I'm, you know, I don't have a degree in literature or anything like that. Um, I'm, I'm very much just, like, a schmuck who enjoys books. Um, so that's how it came about. Is I, wanted, I wanted to explore this community and it's hard for me to just like DM somebody and ask them questions or, or strike up a conversation with them. I'm actually fairly shy in my private life. So having this premise of like, hey, let's talk about your books and, and writing and general context um, and trying to make friends that way. Um, and then, you know, and trying to find books to read and, and then sort of trying to solve this problem of like, why aren't there, as far as I can tell, any writing podcasts out there that I would want to listen to. <laughs> oh, very nice. Well, uh, well, since I got gotten into you and writing the Rapids, uh, I have to say uh, it's a very uh, stellar podcast, and uh, yeah, quite a lot of big names on the indie lit scene. Uh, some of them that I'm that I'm personally a fan of. Some of them that I've friends with online, some that I've even interacted with in real life. 
Uh, for folks who uh, don't know, uh, here's just a list of guests from uh, Riding the Rapids that I find particularly notable. A.S. Coomer, Lisa Cantrell, Autumn Christian, C.V. Hunt, Zach Smith, Sam Pink, and, uh, uh, excuse me, and uh, the writer who actually uh, made this current episode possible, the one who introduced me to you, uh, Noah Cicero. Yeah, um, yeah, I interviewed him way back in uh, episode 40, and uh, as we were talking, I mentioned that I'm from Grand Rapids. He's like, oh, no way, really? Like, oh, yeah. Oh, I just talked to a guy who's also has a podcast in Grand Rapids. And I was like, That's I was like, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> okay, no, I didn't say that. But uh, no, uh, Noah directed me to to your Twitter, and uh, yeah, that's how I got into the podcast. That's wild. You know, I think I think I remember that him saying something like he was talking to another person from Grand Rapids. And I just didn't didn't pick up on it. Um, but yeah, there, it's it's funny because you know, especially when you're out of college, it's hard to like it's hard to meet people. It's hard, especially especially if you're someone like me who's you know, I was my wife and I started dating in high school and never broke up or took a break or anything. So oh, like, high school sweethearts. The, the need for me to go out and meet people after college is gone. There's no reason for me to, I mean, I stopped drinking like four years ago, but there's no reason for me to go to a bar. There's no reason for me to go to a party um, at all. Uh, unless there's like a band I like playing, but most of the time I'd rather just be in and watching TV with my wife instead of going out to a, to a show, unless it's a band I'm like really excited about. So, okay. it's amazing because there's a couple other people in Grand Rapids who do like cool stuff in this indie-led scene. Um, and we just all walk past each other on the street without knowing about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, Noah Cicero, a uh, great guy, great writer. He's, uh, one of my top ten, I would say. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, as I told him, uh, yeah, no doubt about it. People in Grand Rapids love Noah Cicero. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. So, uh, with, this is, and this, folks, like I said, are just some of the particular guests that I wanted to point out. Uh, so, to get into the, to get into interviewing itself, uh, what's your approach to uh, interviewing, you know, these writers? Have Has it uh, changed over time? Hmm. Um, I don't think it has changed very much over time. Um, the approach is, I try to read a book or two of theirs uh, beforehand and uh, it's, it's kind of gotten down to like one book uh, at this point especially since I started doing the rejoinders uh, but I, I tend to read their work and then scroll through their social media to try to figure out what in my estimation their approach to writing is what they're trying to do um, with whatever it is that I'm reading or just in general and then just try to dig into that um I don't set. I don't 
really plan out a lot of questions. Maybe I'll take a couple notes while I'm reading. But for the most part, I'm just kind of feeling it out. And I always pitch to people who I want on the show that it's more of a conversation than an interview. So I try not to have questions set up because I don't want it to turn into that. Um, my favorite episodes are the ones where they start asking me questions and then I'm answering their questions and, and we're like really just kind of, um, you know, doing the thing. Two, two artists sitting in a smoky bar yelling about art, uh, which, which is like always kind of the goal. Oh, and, yeah. And the, it's kind, kind of hard too because people are, you know, even if you tell them it's not an interview, they're still kind of going into it expecting it to be an interview. Oh, yeah, I do believe... Uh... You have one episode with uh, Zach Smith where it's him basically interviewing you about something. Yeah, that, that was just a literal reversal episode. I, I tweeted out, like, man, I really wish that people would interview me sometimes. And he was like, okay, I'll do it. And then he interviewed me about my book, and that was really fun. Well, and well, here you are now. So, uh, so you got your wish, my friend. I sure did. <laughs> All right, uh, in regards to uh, future guests, are there uh, anyone that you have in mind that you've been trying to get on or that you would like to have on? Um, there's, a, there's a couple people I've been in contact with. There's a couple people who, um, you know, it's like scheduling never worked out. Um, uh, why can't I think of their names now? Um, uh, Mike Klein and I have talked about Jarrett Kobeck and his work a lot. Um, I'd really like to have him on at some point in the future. Um, uh, other, otherwise, you know, like I'm really kind of satisfied with, with who I've gotten on so far. Um, and I'm just kind of like working my way through the list. Uh, there's so many people who write exciting things um but because of the amount of time that preparing for the show reading these books takes up um it's kind of just like as i'm preparing for the episode of the month i'm really i'm, I'm reading the person i'm most excited about is usually how it kind of works out so i don't have a ton of specifics of like dream guests and stuff like I kind of assumed it would be more difficult to get Sam Pink on than it was. I kind of assumed the same thing about like Noah Cicero too. Like you mentioned, there's you know, there's some big names on there, and for some reason I was able to get them. Um, and so it's more just a matter of like continuing to explore the scene, whatever the scene means, um, and seeing who's available. And, and getting them on if they are available. Alright, uh, qu a question that just popped in my head. A little bit off subject, but uh, were you by chance at StokerCon when it came to Grand Rapids? No, I wasn't. Ah, okay. I didn't know what was happening until I saw people tweeting about it. Ah, okay. Because uh, that's actually where uh, I met uh, Lisa Cantorell and... Uh, well, I didn't meet Autumn Christian. She was there, but I uh, didn't get a chance to say hi. Met a lot of other writers, too. Like uh, Brian Keane and uh, and Don Noble and a few others. But uh, 
yeah, it's, yeah, it just popped in my head, like, wait, was Joe there? I wasn't, I, uh, I should have been, you know, but totally wasn't. Is that happening again? It doesn't look like Oh uh, boy. I honestly have no clue, uh, and, uh, I like horror, but I'm not, like, a big super fan where I'm, like, following, like, when conventions like that go on or what the oh, HWA is doing. I, oh, I see. It looks like StokerCon is in Denver this year, or was in Denver this year. Yes. Yeah, so, so I guess it moves around. It must move around. Yeah, so hopefully it'll come back here sometime. Yeah. Okay, so, uh. What does the future hold for uh, riding the rapids? Uh, any, any big, any big changes or anything to the podcast that you want to do? No, I'm I'm cruising, man. I I think I would I would love to. It's kind of all Patreon dependent, which is it makes me feel icky to say like, oh, if people gave me more money, I'd have more time to do it, but. <laughs> I'd have more time to do it. Like, I would love to somehow, and I have no idea how, it'd have to be my only job, have a weekly episode. Um, the idea of live streaming has always been really attractive to me, but I, I find myself getting quite discouraged about it. There's something, um, it's, it's a completely different skill, of course, but there's something really discouraging about, like, having been online for an hour and seeing, like, one viewer who's not even watching into the chat, you know, and they're just kind of like sitting there. Um, so I think I think back in February I did do a live show with um, uh, with Ava Hoffman and Persephone Hudson, and that was really cool to have them on. And and there were some people in there. And, and the year before that, I, I did a, a read through of, of B.R. Yeager's Pearl Death. So I think I want to the tradition of doing like one kind of event live stream a year um and, and I want to keep doing the rejoinders I really like those those become easier and easier to schedule the more people I have on because I have more people to watch um I, I, I've been waffling in my brain about kind of rejiggering my Patreon um tiers and maybe eliminating tiers altogether or trying to trying to make that whole thing look more attractive, but um, I can't really see in my brain like a really good way of doing that. So, it, I don't know, maybe people listen to this and they have ideas. Hmm. Um, well, uh, well f from one fellow writer to another, um, I will give this advice. Um, don't, t try not to feel icky or guilty about you know admitting that you'd probably be more uh productive if you got paid for it because uh yeah it's true you true we all probably would you know but it would it would be we probably would be more productive and hell maybe even enjoy it more if we uh got a more substantial reward for it but uh surely i mean yeah. definitely i'm doing it you know, it's fun to do it, right? Like, I, I think I, I try to make it clear that it's not that, you know, I won't do more if people don't give me money. 
it's, it's more a matter of just like I just don't have I don't have the time or the bandwidth. Exactly. Right? Surviving off of two part-time jobs is that the transition has the potential to be a lot smoother, right? Like, it's not like I'm taking, you know, this hobby and replacing a $60,000 a year job with it or anything. It's like I can cut back on hours. I can leave one job um, sort of thing where, um, you know, if there's movement on that, but... I think largely there's a joke that one of my professors in college had that like the poetry world is just a bunch of people passing the same $5 bill around. <laughs> I, I feel like trying to get people on my Patreon is kind of the same thing, right? Where like, right. yeah, you know, if, if everybody who followed me on Twitter gave me just $2 a month, I'd be making like $900 a month and I'd be able to quit one of my jobs and probably be able to double my output or or do live streams regardless or, or something or other. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a bunch of people who work in warehouses and, and have two part-time jobs to stay alive. Like, it's not like I'm the poorest person in the scene. I'm probably doing pretty okay compared to a lot of other people. Um, yeah, I mean, so, I mean, that's what the term indie is for. You're independent, you're alternative, you're underground. Mm-hmm, yeah, 100%. Uh, so so the, big, the, the big kind of thing I want to break into um, or, or do next is I want to do video essays on YouTube because I think that the, the, the biggest way of getting people into reading is not through written media, and the biggest way of getting people into indie lit is not by talking about indie lit. So, like, if I can do, you know, here's the five books you should read if you really liked uh, House of Leaves, and they're all inside the castle, 1111, schism two press books, um, then it gets people in the door through the House of Leaves clickbait, and then, you know, bring people into the scene, because okay. um, with the exception of, like, one person, I'm pretty sure everybody who listens to my podcast writes themselves whether or not they've been on the podcast or, or not, like, it's, it's writers listening to writers talk about writing, uh, which is good, and, and, and all that, but, um, you know, there's no way that money is going to come into the ecosystem if it's all, if the people paying into the ecosystem are also profiting from the ecosystem. Yeah, plus, plus, really, if you think about it, like I said, we're all indie, working class, perhaps poor writers. You know, it's not like, you know, let's say Stephen King or, God, who's that shitty writer? Uh, James Patterson. <laughs> it's not like James Patterson has a Patreon and is like demanding money and saying, hey, uh, I could put out another book with Bill Clinton if you just, if I reach this many subscribers. Right, yeah, you know. Who was that? There was somebody recently who did that. Oh, Brandon Sanderson, like, had a Kickstarter um, that just went, like, nuclear. It was, it was amazing how much money he got. And a bunch of people were kind of scoffing about it on my on my timeline. <laughs> um, and, you know, I don't know. Brandon Sanderson, love him or hate him. I haven't read any of his books. My wife has, and she said it was good. 
Um, okay, how big is how big? I've never heard of him. How big of a writer is he? He's a he's a huge um, fantasy writer. He's I think probably most well known for just having a very intricately crafted magic system. So there's hmm. not a lot of like hand wavy superpowers to have people get themselves out of jams or anything like that. Like everything seems, from what I've gathered, you know, through osmosis, like. Um, it's, it's, there are rules to his universe, and he follows the rules. Okay. People are into that. Huh. <sighs> all right. All right, uh, all right, dude, uh, we're done with this section of the interview, and, uh, yeah, I believe that it's time for a commercial break. We'll, uh, be right back. Greetings, it is I, Jordan Peterson, and unfortunately, facts, logic, and rationality have once again been defeated on Twitter, because I have been banned for deadnaming a celebrity whose films I have never seen. Well, except maybe Juno, I don't know. Anyway, I, Jordan Peterson, am very, very sad. Indeed, it has been sad, and nothing I do seems to elevate it. I've cleaned my room numerous times. I've eaten only the best meats that my hot daughter prescribes to me. And despite my wishes, I cannot get to Russia to once again be put into a medically induced coma. But you know what I found does cheer me up though? Listening to the Garrett Schalke Podcast. Yes, the Garrett Schalke Podcast. Hosted by writer, podcaster, and pseudo-musician Garrett Schalke. Where he talks to friends, acquaintances, and favorite people about numerous things. From politics, to music, to, um, to you, YouTube campers. To politics, oh, I think I just mentioned that, but it bears mentioning again. As always, it's just so humorous. It makes me forget the time I wore a tuxedo and cried on the Rojogan experience. And thankfully, cancel culture has not come for Garrett Schalke yet, because you can still find him on Twitter, including the official Garrett Schalke Podcast Twitter, at Schalke Podcast. You can listen to him on anywhere, from Spotify, to iTunes, to Anchor, to Podbean, but not those cucks on iTunes, because for some reason they won't let him on. Yep, that's right, listen to the Garrett Schalke Podcast wherever you can. I'm Jordan Peterson, um, boy, I gotta go research some more crabs, or is it lobsters? I don't know. Bye-bye. Okay, we're back, and uh, wow, what, what a wonderful commercial that was. Boy, I'm, I'm sure am glad I'm getting all these promotions now. You know, Garrett Schalke Podcast is just going up the charts with these commercials. Alright, folks, uh, we're back. And uh, we, got, we just finished the portion of the podcast where, uh, Joe, we talked about your origins. We've talked about writing the Rapids, your podcast. Now, uh, let's get into your uh, novel. Tired. It, uh, yep, I believe it's your first novel. It was published back in uh, 
February 2021 through Alien Buddha Press. Yeah, can you just tell us, can you summarize to us what the novel's about? Yeah, uh, it's about two people, uh, Eric and Alexis, who uh, go on a sort of coming-of-age, self-discovery road trip uh, that is uh, kind of like a surreal fever dream sort of thing. Um I call it a surreal nightmare road trip coming of age story. Uh, and I, I guess that's like the best pitch, right, that I, that I can think of to, to say for it. Um, I've, I've always kind of had a hard time really describing it because I want to tell you, I want to talk about, about what happens in it so much that it's hard for me to talk about what it's about. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, do whatever you want, man. Uh, uh, spoiler alert, you know, just put that out there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, let me just, like, list some of the things. It's kind of, like, episodic. It almost feels like, um, like, a, like a Greek epic in structure. There's, um, gender dysphoric truck drivers, there's reincarnation, there's a factory that keeps on growing and eating things, um, that's become so big that people just live in there. There's a city lit entirely by green light. One of the characters uh, transmorgifies into a stone Jesus for a little while. Um, there's time loops. There's strange asides about worms. It's very uh, kind of just odd. I was watching a lot of David Lynch and I was in college when I was writing it, so you can kind of tell. Hmm. Okay, to uh, go back a little bit before Tired, you uh, mentioned a little bit that uh, you've had previous work published, you know, in various publications. Uh, how about uh, novels or just books in general? Have you uh, made any attempts to write or have published beforehand? Tired was the first novel I ever the first novel that I had any sort of finished first draft to and, and did any sort of editing to. Um, and that was written in 2015, probably finished in early 2016. So it was written and completed before I got my first flash piece published. Um, oh, really? Before I was introduced to this world, this at all um, and so kind of the reason I started writing flash fiction and, and getting into this scene was to figure out where in the world I could get this thing published um, very naively I kind of imagined it was like super experimental and crazy and like unlike anything else uh, and that turned out not to be the case there's, there's a million times weirder stuff both in structure and formatting and, and story kind of understood books to be stuff you could find in a store and um, either genre or literary. Uh, I, I had no idea. So I started just um, I think I think I found like Schism Press based on an article that Blake Butler had written and 
so got into B.R. Yeager's writing and then followed him on Twitter and just sort of tried to, like, see who he was following. Um, and then I found a couple people who seemed interesting and thought, tried to look at who they were following and then tried to develop a list of literary magazines from there and yada, yada, yada. So it was a very, like, deliberate sort of, like, I have to figure out where I belong. Um, I'm not even sure that I've really found a place where my writing really belongs. Uh, because now I feel like I've gone, like, too hard into weird stuff, where so much <laughs> of the stuff that I read is, like, way weirder um, and has sensibilities that are that are kind of beyond um, what, what I'm interested in writing or have the skills to write for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yeah, uh, have you have you uh, ever checked out duo tropes? Yeah, I have. Um, I just don't feel like paying money. <laughs> I don't feel like paying money for it. Yeah, actually, I think uh, if I remember the years correctly, what what you were just describing, you know, I think it was actually free around that time. Now it's paid. Yeah, I know this because uh, I recently got back on the duo tropes. Because uh, okay. I'm trying to get back into... Well, well, to summarize, this is going to be the first year since 2016 where uh, I haven't published a book. Oh? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, basically because... Basically uh, well, I'm just kind of burnt out on it. and uh, So I decided not to this year. So I'm just working on some other stuff like continuing podcasting, uh, putting out music through my uh, music project, and uh, well, having stuff, submitting stuff, and publishing them. So uh, sign up for a Duotropes account again. I guess so, uh, especially since Entropy Mag shut down because they had their quarterly where to submit that was super useful. Um, Wait, uh, which one shut down? Entropy Mag. Oh, shit, it did? Yeah, they shut down, what was it, end of last year? They, I mean, the website is still up. Um, but uh, they have a banner on their website that says, Entropy is closing at the end of 2021. Read the farewell announcement from our founder here. So their small press database is still up, uh, but I don't think they're doing the where to submit. Ah, uh, t- <laughs> uh, dude, that's a, that's a fucking bummer, man. Yeah, there's there's another uh, small press guy that's building um, a database uh, between the highway press, I believe, has a database of, of places to submit. Um, between the highway right press. Uh, yeah, between the highway org. Between the highway press has a bunch of stuff. Um, otherwise, Oleada, O-L-E-A-D-A, uh, dot I-O has is sort of doing, like, uh, kind of setting themselves up to be a submittable, but for indie presses only sort of thing that has two dozen presses on it, um, or I, I just go to, uh, poetsandwriters.org, which is like duotrope, but, uh, free. Uh, oh yeah, I'm I'm very well aware of that publication. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> but I, I, the the problem I always have with with databases like that and and sort of 
I should probably read a book or two from this press, and then I, you know, I don't get any books from their press, not because none of them look interesting, but because I have stuff to read for writing the rabbits, I have a giant TBR pile in my house, because I go to Barnes & Noble and use bookstores all the time, uh, just, like, that's a leisure activity that my wife and I do, uh, so, like, I'm accruing books all the time anyway, and whether they're from presses that are a bit weirder than than I submit to or way more mainstream um, or I'm reading stuff from dead people being published through imprints that publish stuff from dead people like I, I haven't with, with a couple exceptions haven't really found a, a stable of presses that are putting out work that I feel like my work would really really fit in with um, and I'm also open to the idea that I'm just wrong about that and like you know there are places that I read and presses associated with people I talk to on the podcast that would be interested in my writing and I'm just you know too shy to submit no I, I get that too with my writing because I'm uh, pr- pretty good online homies with uh, a lot of people who are weird writers you know in like say the bizarro fiction genre or horror whereas me uh my main things my main genres are uh poetry literary fiction and uh superhero fiction which is uh yeah a lot more at least superhero fiction way more of a niche market yeah so so yeah i know exactly what you're saying there Alright, so, uh, actually, yeah, tweenthehighwaypress.org. Yeah, I wrote that down, because I'm going to look at it later. Alright, uh, alright, uh, back to the novel, um, how would you, how would you describe the style that it was written in? Um, I think I was really inspired by Cormac McCarthy at the time. So, lots of long sentences, lots of long paragraphs. Um, definitely not done as kind of carefully as he, as he writes, um, but it's very sort of flowy like that. And I, I try to use, I try to use long sentences and lists as a sort of cudgel against the reader. Uh, I, w- I was sort of like. I don't know. I, w- I was of this mind when I was writing it, where I was like, I want to write a book that's hard to read, that no nobody is going to feel comfortable reading, both in, in uh. structure and in in content. And I get naive <laughs> because I hadn't discovered amphetamine sulfate press or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, slow down there, David like, Forrest Wallace. <laughs> right, like the the idea that. All of, all of the dialogue between the two main characters is unattributed. Um, and I also didn't put quotation marks in because Cormac McCarthy. So, like, I just, I was under this impression that, like, having two people talk to each other for a book-length work and never knowing which one of them is actually doing the talking was just, like, the most revolutionary thing ever. Um, and I was really pleased with myself about that idea. And... But yeah, so I don't know, I was just, I was trying to, I didn't plan it out, it was all discovery writing. It was all just like, what wacky thing is 
now. Uh, so they would kind of be in a location or in a situation, and I would play it out, and then I'd be like, all right, and what's next? What's beyond the horizon? So there was a bunch of stuff that was like, they're in a city, and then they're in a suburb, and then they're out in the middle of nowhere, and then they're back in the city, but it's a different city. Um, just kind of like endlessly moving forward, and so it becomes sort of episodic thing. Um, I'm not sure how, how accurately that answers your question, but that's my answer. Okay, well, uh, well, still in regards to the writing style, uh, do you still write like like that today, or has it changed? Um, yes and no. I, I think my style is not... I, I think here it's, like, important to make a distinction between style and voice, right? Like, I feel like anything that you read by me is clearly written by me, um, but the presentation is different, sort of depending on the story. Um, I've written book-length manuscripts that are kind of very standard in terms of, like, sentence structure and paragraphs, and, uh, you know, there's attributed dialogue, and there's quotation marks, and there's commas, um, but I don't, I don't know, I feel, I feel like because they're all written, everything I write is written by me, the sensibility is there. Um, it's also, I think, either a detriment or a boon to me that because of the podcast and because of me reading so many different people, um, not only contemporary people, but also trying to, like, catch up on the classics in my free time or, uh, you know, reading academic texts or whatever it is that I'm, like, interested in, kind of uh, recreationally, um, that I'm inundated with so many different styles in the way that I read that it's tough for me to um, nail down one specific way that I like to write. I, I, I feel like maybe there's, like, several different characters of myself, like different versions of Joe Balecki that write in different ways. And if you took the time to categorize them and name them, you could probably like go through my Google Google drive and be like, these pieces are this and these pieces are that. Um, but I think I'm too close to it to really be able to uh, describe exactly how I feel about all of that, or, or where I, you know, where I think I'm going, or where I think I am. Ah, I see. Okay, and uh, how, how about the writing process for the novel? Uh, do you remember any of it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, um, since for a lot of it I was still going to school, and because I, my senior year of, of college I lived back at home, I didn't live on an on-campus or an off-campus apartment, and my wife lived at home, too, uh, and we would carpool. So there would be times when our class schedules didn't line up, or there would be times where I'd have an hour break in between class anyway, um, and so I just kind of wrote in between classes, um, or while waiting for my wife to get out of class, or waiting for my class to begin, sort of thing. Um, at a certain point, kind of in the middle of the initial writing, I was forcing myself to write 2,000 words a day. I did that for maybe about half of the length of the book. I do think 
think I took like six months uh, where I just didn't think about it after I graduated um, and then pumped it up to 80,000 words, put in an ending, called it good, and then sat on it for a while, maybe a year, maybe two, before I did another pass through it, and then maybe waited another year before I did a third pass, um, kind of sparsely submitting it here and there whenever I, the urge bit me, and then finally finding Alien to the Press um, through A.S. Coomer, because uh, he's got a couple books through there, and submitting to them when I saw that, that they were accepting. Yeah, I have to say, uh, I do follow them on my uh, alt account, the account that I rarely use, except for uh, when I get banned for whatever reason. But, uh, yeah, I have to say, I'm really impressed with uh, how productive the Alien Buddha Press has been. And just uh, how open that... The, yeah, and just how open their submissions are, too. Because uh, that's actually kind of been my one... Well, my main gripes with uh, indie publishing... That's why I self-publish mostly. Is that uh, a lot of publishers are closed? <laughs> yeah, closed or or not open to unsolicited stuff. I mean, that part too. of the reason why part of the reason I, I started doing flash fiction and and just like there there was a six month period in 2016 where I was just trying really hard to get as much out as possible with this foolish idea that people who run those presses that are never open to unsolicited manuscripts are like reading literary magazines trying to find new people to publish. Which maybe that's the case, but it certainly hasn't been the case for me. So, you know, there is... Uh, yeah, but it's a, a, a saturated market, definitely, where you'll have a press that, you know, is run by one person who is only able to put out a couple books a month because of the amount of marketing they want to do for it or the amount of hands-on formatting that they want to do for it. Um, and yeah, Daily and Buddha Press, I think it's still a one-man operation, um, but he largely uh, is, is kind of there to, to help you get the book out. And then and then it's up to you to, to convince people to buy it. Yep, so... Uh... Pretty much your typical indie press, son. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, no, a question that just popped into my head, actually. Uh, before Alien Buddha Press, uh, did, did you, uh, <clears throat> sorry, let me, uh, rephrase that. Uh, did you, when you were trying to find a publisher for your novel, did, uh, you by chance fall for any scam presses? No. No, in fact, I did as a kid, right? I, I, I talked about the fantasy stories that I wrote. Before one, I mean, I never finished a book-length manuscript for either of those, but I did find, I do remember Google searching on my parents' computer, uh, like, book, book publishers free to submit and so there's there's a couple vanity presses out there that I air quotes submitted to as like this you know thirteen year old kid that were like oh yeah totally send us your book and your bank account information and I was like I'm a child I'm not gonna do that <laughs> so 
I, I did have a, a, a couple writing professors who I talked to about like trying to get stuff published and uh, that sort of thing before I really started actually trying to get anything published. So they gave me those those guidelines of you know don't pay unless you know the press and you're pretty sure that you're gonna get published or you don't mind taking a bath on it. Um, otherwise, just find stuff free and. You know, the scam presses, too, are also a reason why you should read the literary magazine or the uh, press you want to get published with to make sure that they're publishing work that is worth your time to be published alongside. All right, so, uh, so far, how, so it was published last year in 2021. Uh, how has the reception for the book been so far? Uh, it's been fine, uh. A couple people have read it. Um, I, I sent it, I sent a lot of free copies out, um, and some people have said really nice things. Mike Klein seemed to really enjoy it. Um, uh, well, Paul Barry Clark, I think is his name. Barry Paul Clark uh, wrote a nice review about it. Uh, Scott Manley Hadley wrote a nice review about it on their blog, and. Um, a couple other people here and there. I, I was surprised how, how uh, much my family seemed to enjoy it because I, I really thought that they would just sort of, you know, buy it to be nice and not actually touch it. Um, so, uh, you know, not a, not a lot of people have, have picked it up as far as I can tell, um, but the people who have have really enjoyed it from what I can tell, which is good enough for me. Oh, that's good. So, uh, right now, uh, working on, on any new books at the moment? Uh, yes and no. I, I always have several projects sort of ready to go. Um, I do have two books out right now, sort of sitting in submission inbox purgatory, um, that I'm using as, as a excuse to not try harder. Um, at, at getting anything published. Um, but yeah, I, I do have two books that I feel like are finished and ready to, to be sent around more. Um, I do NaNoWriMo every year, so, and I have since maybe 2017, right? So I have like several book length works at any point in time that I could be editing um, or could be submitting. Uh, I'm working I'm like a poem and a half away from a from a chat book uh, that I, I think I'm you know too afraid to finish, and so I'm just kind of letting it <laughs> languish. Um, and here and there, I've been writing uh, bits and starts of scripts for video essays that I hope to do, or essays about books. Um, so I feel like I write a lot, but it's so unfocused, that it doesn't feel like I'm writing anything ever, you know? Oh, uh, yeah, I I had that feeling a couple of years ago, but uh, th thankfully it's one of the writing habits and beliefs that I've had that I've kind of reined in, you know, as I've grown older and gotten work published. So, but still, uh, a lot of bad habits remain. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. 
All right, so, uh, yeah, Tired. Where can uh, people find it? Uh, it's on Amazon. It's, uh, I think that's the only place you can buy a physical copy, aside from, I guess, DMing me. Um, I have one physical copy left in my house. I need to get some more. Um, or if you want a digital version, you can just DM me on Twitter, and I will send it to you. I'm happy to do that. In fact, right. thanks, to, thanks to what I imagine is Prime Day, it's only ten and a half bucks on Amazon as of recording this right now. So yeah, everyone stop. Everyone free to get a good deal. Everyone pauses podcasts and go get now. Actually, no. Actually, no. You no. This is a podcast. It's an audio medium. You can listen to this podcast while you're buying Joe's book. Do that right now. All right. Uh, all right. We're done with that portion. Uh, let's get to the second to last one. Uh, your okay. band, your band camp, or should I say band camps? Yeah. Um, I totally forgot about the the Joe Balecki project. Um, that was something I used. Um, I had the idea for four a four part series called uh, Scrape, Scratch, Cut, and Dead. And that would each have uh, a half hour of music on it, uh, regardless of how many tracks that took. Um, That would be a sort of mixed media, insofar as audio can be. Um, And there's a couple tracks up there. There's uh, Scrape has two tracks that are very much a that sort of mixed media thing where I use like field recordings, um, recorded instruments, and uh, fully work, and then lots of DAW manipulation. Uh, Scratch has a 20 minute drone track that I think is really good. I'm really pleased with that track. And Dead has one almost 10 minute uh, feedback loop noise track that I also really enjoy. so yeah, Joe, JoeBelenke.bandcamp.com. You can see the stuff I was doing back in 2015 before I started uh, writing flash fiction. Um, and then there is uh, a project that I did called Ring of Roses that Ring I roses. read about every now and again. Um, <laughs> All right, I'm actually writing that down. Okay. Is kind of embarrassing, and that's all I'm going to say about it. Okay. 
actually, I'm embarrassed right now because uh, I thought you only had one band camp, but god damn it, how can I miss that high school project you did? <laughs> I mean, it, uh, when I was tweeting about it a lot, uh, anything before a couple of years ago, I scrubbed uh, a while ago when I was when I tried to transition my Twitter account into like a writing Twitter account. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there was a, a period of time way back in back in the day uh, where I was trying to be a, a different kind of musician. Um, I was just straight up ringofroses.bandcamp.com. I thought I had to do other weird stuff to it. Okay. Uh, yeah, that came out in 2017. Yeah. Um, so uh, what what attracts you to uh, field recordings, noise music, or drone music? Um. The field recordings really started as a, um, there's a field recordist who has some albums floating around the internet named Chris Watson, who does really cool sound collage, um, like nature recording type stuff. And there's an el- a compilation album that he's on with some other field recorders, field recordists that I can't remember the name of because it's in French, um, that had like waterfall recordings. And so there was a lot of, you know, white noise type stuff because of the nature of the rushing water. And um, all of that coincided with me taking the sort of top tier audio production class at Grand Valley my senior year there. And we had to do a project um, that incorporated like all of these different elements of, of what we had learned throughout the year. So like recording stuff and, um, you know, putting together different aspects of, of audio and using different effects and things like that. Um, so one of, one of the tracks on that, joebelecki.bandcamp.com, just straight up is a final project that I did for school. Um, and there was just something really cool about it, especially after having tried to make more traditional sounding music mm-hmm. uh, a couple years prior of like, just kind of doing whatever and, and not worrying about song structure and not worrying about music theory or anything like that um, and just like really kind of playing reverb like an instrument and playing automation clips like instruments and things like that um, as far as noise just goes um, around 2016-2017 I was just really getting into noise music um, and I bought a really cheap really grimy um, 16 channel mixer and I just plugged in a whole bunch of stuff I asked for like only guitar pedals for a birthday and got a bunch of guitar pedals and a bunch of cables and just something really there's something really satisfying about uh, turning knobs and pushing buttons and just making sound happen from that for me um, and I do like live streams at like 6 o'clock in the morning on, on Twitch um, wearing like flowers in my hair and stuff and <laughs> I had like a collage of like anime gifts that I like <laughs> layered over top of each other with different like <laughs> colors and stuff like that and I just like sit there for like two hours before work and just turn knobs and make horrendous sounds nice um, and it just that felt really good um, if I ever go back to doing live music because like I said I was in a metal band in, in high school and we played shows in town here 
Um, I just want to like sit on the floor surrounded by pedals and, and knobs and just like for, you know, for an hour, just make a room of people feel weird with noise. There's, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's sort of like a neo future primitivism sort of thing. And it just, it feels really good to do it. Hmm. So yeah, uh, do you have any future plans for music? Uh, yeah, I, every now and again, I'm, I, I'm thinking about uh, recently in, in middle school and high school, I was really into the band Coheed and Cambria, and I thought that concept albums were about the best thing ever. Uh, I turned 30 this year, and I sort of challenged myself to make a concept album uh, by the time I turned 30, so I'm working on something like that, but it's just a lot more traditionally musical. Um, I've been getting back into playing my bass guitar. Um and enjoying doing that. So I'm tinkering with stuff like that with since, you know, virtual synths and, and live bass playing. Um, I'd really love to be uh, the vocalist for a metal project again. I think that that would be really cool, but I don't know when I would have time to do anything like that. So it's definitely not something that I have like a really um, like urgent feeling about or just a couple times a month I'll open up FL Studio and, and work on something and then be like, yeah, I can still do this. Great. And then put it away. <laughs> All right. Uh, all right, Joe. Oh, by the way, uh, is this where you got, got the Monker uh, noisemaker, Joe? I don't remember how I decided on that name. Uh I think, I think somebody else asked me that, too, and I gave them an answer that I'm not sure how true it was. Um, it's, I've used Noisemaker Joe for such a long time that I don't remember anything about it. Okay. Any, any, anything about its origin. Probably because I was making um, noise music-type stuff um, at the time. Uh, could also just have been, like... I, I've been... I've, you know, I've used several different online names over the years, and every time I pick a new one, I'm like, this is the one I'm going to be known by. This is going to be the brand. And so far, Noisemaker Joe has been the one that has stuck the boat the best. All right. Uh, well, well, Noisemaker Joe, uh, final part of this interview, man. Uh, your new occupation, being a new dad guy. Yeah, first of all, uh, congratulations to you and your wife on your new child. Thank you. Yeah, when was the child born? Uh, four weeks ago today, so June 15th. Oh, wow, so still fairly recent. She is, she is very tiny. Yeah, she's very young. Good, this, po- this podcast remains timely, then. Yeah, so uh, it's been a month. Uh, how has the experience been so far being a dad? So far, really good. Uh, I don't know. Um, I don't talk too much about, at least in public, about like, um, you know, religion or spirituality or whatever. But for the past couple of years, I've sort of seen myself drawn into um, like mysticism idea of like achieving unity with either the universe or God or, or both or whatever assuming that 
any of that even exists, and we're not just brains in a jar somewhere or a simulation. Um, and the having of a child, particularly when we finally got to bring her home, was was quite a like powerful religious feeling experience. Um, and so, like, I, I found it the the sort of process of becoming a parent of becoming a dad to be unlike how people describe um and um so, so far like logistically like the baby's been great she's healthy she she doesn't sleep at night super well but we're not uh deathly sleep deprived or anything like that she eats food she's gaining weight she, you know all of that stuff uh, so it's been easy to just enjoy having a person in the house now um, and sort of seeing myself in a different way with like a different responsibility to a different person um, because my wife and I have been together for like 13 years in some capacity in, in the boyfriend-girlfriend capacity up through getting married. Um, my self-image has been pretty static. Um, it was one way before I stopped drinking and then sort of shifted a little bit. It didn't really, like, wholly change when I stopped drinking. Um, but, like, now there is a, a different sort of way that I approach uh, how I talk about myself, um, especially in front of her, um, which kind of makes me have to change how I think about myself in terms of, uh, you know, the self, um, what's the word, self-esteem and things like that. Um, my uh, approach to, um, like, activism and political practices has changed. Um, it, I've, I've always kind of known that I'm not the type of person who should go to a peaceful protest where things might get heated. Um, but now, but there was always like this idea that like, yeah, but if things get really hairy, I'm going to be out there in the streets, right? Like, <laughs> um, you know, the sort of George Orwell uh, sort of like, I promised myself I would kill one fascist because there's more of us than there are of, of, of them. So if we all just make the promise to ourselves to kill one fascist, we'll be out of this in no time. Yeah, and you gotta do it, man. It's a, right, it's a right of passage. Yeah, the <laughs> Spanish Civil War didn't quite go uh, as well as George Orwell was hoping it was going to go. Uh, um, yeah, true. <laughs> but, um, I, you know, I, I now have, like, put a wall between myself and that line of thinking. Like, no, I cannot. I cannot be, um militant anymore because I have a small person who I need to be alive and out of prison for. Um, and so it shifted my view on like, uh, it was very easy for me to be like, yeah, I just hate these people. I hate these people and they're bad and I hate them and I want them to feel bad. And like, I've completely sort of flipped around to like, I'm going to focus on uh, doing what I can to protect those around me who are in danger and, you know, try to shore up supports for people who are vulnerable rather than, like, going after the enemy. You know, it's, it's very much more like, I'm going to stay at home and I'm going to make sure that everyone 
Uh, well, you said that you're you said that you're 30 years old, right? I'm, I'm yeah. I turned 30 this year uh, in a couple months. Oh, all right. So uh, your so your child was just born. So uh, 18 years. Yeah, dude. Uh, you got plenty of time. You know, I'm sh when you're in your 50s, you can kill as many fascists as you want them. Right, yeah, you know, I got plenty of time to join the, join the Socialist Rifle Association later. Exactly. But for right now, you know, so I've been trying to just, like, make, force myself to be more gentle in, in a lot of different ways, both with myself and with other people and uh, how I see the world in general. Um, I'm, I'm very sort of uh, seduced by uh, cosmic pessimism, like this idea that... Uh, existence is bad, and I've, I've had to just kind of tell myself, like, okay, well, if that's the truth, and we are going to honestly believe that, like, you have a giant responsibility to this person who you have forced to exist. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's not like it changed everything, but it has, has caused me to want to really center my thoughts and my actions into a like, specific goal of creating an environment that is safe um, emotionally and physically um, and then trying to broaden that environment to as large a physical area as possible, right? Like, I can't go out and kill every fascist and every misogynist so that my daughter is safe, but I can do the little bit I can to make sure that at least my home is safe and, you know, work with the organizations that exist within Grand Rapids to try to make Grand Rapids a nice place to live, and so on and so forth. Alright, so, uh, so yeah, uh, final question I have here, dude. Uh, yeah, yeah, your kid was recently born. Uh, have a good time with it, I suppose, I guess? Yeah, this is great. So, uh, gonna have more kids? Baliki, host of the Writing the Rapids podcast, author of Tired, New Dad Guy. 
uh, Joe, thanks for uh, coming on, dude. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, uh, promo time. Uh, let's let's give let's give us out some info on where people can find you, where they can find your work, where they can listen to your podcast. <clears throat> listen to your podcasts. Yeah, uh, NoiseMakerJoe on Twitter or Instagram is where I am most active. Patreon.com slash NoiseMakerJoe is where basically anytime I put out writing, I'm going to put it out through there and I'm going to put it out for free. Um, that's also where you can get access to early Writing the Rapids episodes. Uh, writing the Rapids uh, is available anywhere that you get your podcast. So if you're listening to this podcast, it's very likely that you'll be able to get writing the rapids there too. Uh, I've mostly promote Spotify links because their metrics are the easiest for me to read, but I know that lately people aren't super happy with Spotify, and so iTunes or uh, iHeartRadio uh, <laughs> or any of the weird third-party Podbean, Podsmith, any of that stuff should be up there as well. I think the only place you can't get it is, like, SoundCloud. Oh, oh, really? Yeah, because I'd have, to, I'd have to, like, as far as I know, I'd have to specifically make a SoundCloud account and, like, go through the effort of posting it to SoundCloud, and that just seems like extra work, because yeah, when I post on yeah, then my you website, would, it just goes. Yeah, then you'd have to pay for an unlimited pro account. Yep. Otherwise, you would have like a three-hour limit, I think. Yeah, which would which would dry up pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, or just Noisemaker Joe. It's not the most updated website, but all the all the podcast episodes get posted there before they get proliferated out to the rest of the podcast ecosystem. All right, everyone. Uh, that was Noisemaker Joe. Joe, thanks for coming on, dude. It was a Thank you. real pleasure. I hope to have have you on again someday. Anytime. Yep, and uh, for all my devoted fans that are worried about my health, uh, I got some good news. I was, my, uh, the right side of my mouth was numb at the start of this podcast, but uh, it no longer is. So, you can now hear my beautiful voice in its full extent. The bad news, the bad news though, is that since the numbness is gone, the pain is here. So I need to go take some Motrin or something because I am in excruciating pain. <laughs> oh dear! <laughs> oh, God, I hate dentists. But uh, yeah, folks, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, check out my stuff. Check out Joe's stuff, and uh, we'll see you around. Here is Daltro song. Thank you.